All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. This is a quick reaction pod, instant upload. The Nets just got swept out of the NBA playoffs. So what did I do? I called up my cousin. We've been texting after all the games, between the games. So right now I'm joined by Eric Katz. Eric, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you being here. Of course. Let's talk some hoops. Let's do it, Mike. Glad to be on here. Um, let's dive in. Yeah, we just saw the Nets get swept by the Celtics. And I thought that what we should do is let's start this conversation about the Nets, kind of their history mm -hmm. since they've had KD and Kyrie what they look like in this postseason and what their future looks like. Let's do that quickly, and then we'll jump to the other side, which is the Celtics, how dominant they looked and what their upcoming series with the likely uh, Milwaukee Bucks and what we think and project that out to, to be. Let's say it is. It's over. Yeah, yeah. I think we can. It's 3-1 right now. It's Giannis. Middleton's hurt, but I don't no, think Middleton, we need to it's over. It. Yeah, that one's done. Okay, so let's, let's go back three years. It's mm -hmm. the bubble season, Eric. KD and Kyrie had signed with Brooklyn this season before. KD mm -hmm. was sitting out uh, that first season that he was in Brooklyn. Kyrie was playing. Kenny Atkinson was still the coach. And Kyrie was playing with Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, all those guys. That was the bubble season right. where um, Kyrie was, had a hurt shoulder. And mm -hmm. even though he was protesting that we shouldn't even go to the bubble, the NBA shouldn't even restart the bubble in general – once the Nets went, he was not with them because of his injury. Uh, the Nets went in there, and they got swept in the first round by the Toronto Raptors. Okay. All right. I remember this. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's touch on that, Mike. So this is um, Kyrie. This is post-Boston, correct? This is right after he left yep. Boston. He yep. was, what was he doing? He was, he was smoking up the floor. He was uh, waving <laughs> burning sage to, yeah. to kill the demon spirits of the Boston Garden. Yeah, Kyrie's already evolved into a monster, a, right. a leper to society. Um, yeah, that season, first of all, COVID, shortened season, 40-game season, right? Yep, Durant already they hurt. They go in the playoffs, Durant hurt. Um, you can't. You couldn't expect much no, from the Nets no, that no season. And no, no problem with that season. I think it's a right. And you weird couldn't season. really evaluate the Kevin Durant versus Kyrie or Kevin Durant and Kyrie pairing that season. We had to wait. So then, okay, we go one more off season. Yeah. Atkinson gets canned. Um, and note how Golden State hired him right away. I think that was very telling. But we'll skip that for now. Atkinson gets canned. Steve Nash gets brought in. They no, bring let's in. on that though, Mike. That's interesting what you said because. Kenny Atkinson presumably would have coached Durant in New Jersey. I mean, Durant was off the shelf, but, like, he goes straight to Golden State as an assistant. Durant's coming from Golden State, correct? So it is interesting. He goes right there right away. But you're right. It's not it's not that relevant. But um, in terms of evaluating the Nets, let's talk about this season because this this one was, was interesting last well, year. Well, let's, let's stay where we were because then they get Harden, right? So they trade Jared Allen and Karras, and they get Harden. That at the, the time, joke. it was like, at the time of the Harden deal, how did you feel, Eric? Good deal. Yeah, it Karis was worth Levert, it. I Karis agree. Plus, I thought Karis Levert's an overrated, inefficient, you know, I think he's a decent player. I think Jared Allen's a loss. But if we look at that season as a full, on the whole, Nets were there. Nets were there. If they're healthy in that, if they're healthy in that seven game series, they, they presumably win the whole thing. Because I think they would have beaten the Suns. I, I believe, healthy. I agree. You also have to remember that. Remember when Harden was traded? Uh, it was like eight games into the season. He gets traded to the Nets. 
And then that whole season, we're talking like, can Harden still win MVP even though he canned those eight Talk games in Houston? Harden was incredible last season. He first ended up getting the, hurt in the playoffs. Season, I want to say he was the MVP frontrunner, Mike. If you remember yes, that first half of the season when he was playing point guard um, without Kyrie, he was dominating as an assist. I remember them talking about a facilitator. And that's sort of the first time he's taken that next step from a different team to whether or not he can be in a new franchise because he was in Houston forever. So he went there and immediately was just facilitating, not looking for a shot. He was excellent. But, you know, there's a number of reasons it didn't work out. We'll get to this season eventually. But if they're healthy in that playoff series, let's jump to that playoff series, Mike, because we knew they were getting there. So... Yeah, well, the problem is they weren't healthy, right? And that's ultimately why they lost. I think I think if they have Harden, Kyrie, and KD, they easily beat the Bucs. I don't think anyone's disputing that. something. Was Joe Harris playing in that series? Yes, and he was playing awful. Joe Harris was absolutely atrocious in that okay, series. Okay, he's not awful, so that's that's telling. Let's say right. you have Kyrie and James Harden on the floor healthy and have him as a fourth option, just shot. If you have one more one more person creating space and and pulling gravity of other defenders like Harden on the floor, and then you just leave Joe Harris in the shooter spots, yeah, he's gonna look a lot better than he did without those guys and with a man being able to shadow him the whole time. Yeah, and the Bucks won the whole thing, and they were the best team in the league. They had the best player in the league. I think. They, I mean, Giannis, two-time MVP. I mean, they had everyone healthy. They had Chris Middleton. They had Drew Holiday. So, I will say, that game was a seven-game series. Uh, and this is not prisoner of the moment. I've been saying this for two years now. Watching the game, KD's game six, Mike, to mm-hmm. push it to seven, is the yep. greatest individual bass performance I've ever watched. You can mark it on here. Bring it back, whoever wants to argue it. He I played hear the whole 48 this. minutes and scored 50 or something. He had, it was nuts. He, listen to this. He had 49 points. I want to say he had maybe 15 rebounds, 10 assists, some, something like that. But... It was the statistics didn't do it justice. They were throwing triple teams at him. When they use the term like, you know, throw away the playbook, he's he's on, just give them it to him and get out of the way. And like you know, Jordan, they've had those type of offensive players that there's nothing you can do. Just give him the ball and get out of the way. I never really truly processed how it affects. I mean, Bucks were a good defense. They drew Holiday and Giannis, who are arguably and and Chris Middleton's a good defender, but Drew Holiday was like defense player of the year. Giannis is a force, and you couldn't stop him. Right. But, and that game seven was close. He was just, and I heard KD on a podcast say he was, and this is interesting, in that last minute or two of the game seven, he didn't know where he was. He was out of, he played he 40 minutes. Yep. And Eric, let me ask you this question. Let's hear it, Mike. What's the difference between KD in that series where he's able to beat a defense completely designed around him, one with great defenders in Giannis and Lopez? Those guys are excellent defenders. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between KD thriving last year and this year looking like uh, a human? It's a good question. Um, one, Celtics are much more versatile and deep defensively. Um, the Celtics could pick you up, and if you watch the way the Celtics played the Nets, KD was doubled from when he passed half court, and he was doubled by the defense player of the year, Marcus Smart, I don't necessarily agree, but he's a very good defender. Um, mm-hmm. Jason Tatum is the same size as Durant. So we've never seen a guy who picks up Durant at his same size and kind of same position. So they're built the same way. You know, whereas if if you have Drew Holiday on him, Durant will post him up, he'll back him up. And Durant's a very willing passer, but they were much more physical, Boston. And I just think 
if you look at that game one, how important it was to how the rest of the series went, when Nets had the game kind of sealed up until the last second, it changed so much. I, granted, Durant played bad that game and Kyrie played good, but, you know, they were just physical with Durant, pushing him around, and the refs weren't calling it and letting him play, which I respect, but look at you got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who are like 6'8 and 6'10 wing defenders who could pick him up, and any lineup that the Celtics put on the floor was capable of picking up KD. And they didn't have the wing players available in this series, I think, to just... You know, they do that Bruce Brown kind of play off the double where they pass it to him and then you get like an alley-oop to Claxton or a shot in the paint or like a three. Mm-hmm. It wasn't enough. Kyrie, I think, was too passive, to be honest. I think in the way that they guarded Durant, if I could just respond to that quickly, I think I saw two or three main things that were the difference in why KD was able to be so good last season against the Bucks, but really struggle against the Celtics. One was... Yeah. They put Tatum straight on him and said, we're going to match your length, just like you said. I remember yeah. last season we were talking about how, why is Giannis not on KD? I remember, sure. I think in that game six we are talking about, I think Giannis deed up KD for only two possessions the entire game. And Giannis was roaming and playing more help defense. Sure. So they put him straight on him. The second thing, which you mentioned, is uh, the physicality from the first game, from the first start, yeah. from the first time he crossed half court. They were like, we're going to beat KD up. We're going to take his legs from him, and mm-hmm. we're going to make him so tired. We're going to rely on, which is going to be my third point, the yeah. 40 minutes he's been playing for the last six weeks, literally wearing his body out, trying to get to the playoffs in general to secure a, a top eight seed, to not have that double play-in, and then to win in the play-in games. I mean, KD must be gassed. Yeah. He must be so tired, and he's got no legs. They're being so physical. He's playing too much. And then that's the result, as you see, like, Tatum able to block a KD jumper. Is KD has no more legs at this point. His legs are just toast. You know what's a huge factor too, Mike, is you pay a guy like Joe Harris $80 million, not because of how individually talented he is. Joe Harris gets paid $80 million because he can catch and shoot the ball very quickly and at a high efficiency. What that does is that opens up the floor. So a guy yep. like Kevin Durant who's bringing the ball down the court, if you choose to double and help off of KD right there, you have a three-point shooter. And I'm not saying... Seth Curry can do the same, but there's just certain guys like the Duncan Robinsons, and now it's now it's become, you know, more nuanced where guys like Max Drew step in and take this role. But, like, the Duncan Robinsons and Joe Harris got $80 million because of their ability to catch and shoot instantly. Yep. And when you do that, you can't help off of Joe Harris as much. So you miss a guy like that on the court, the, the spacing is, 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 is trouble. And... and I- and underratedly, the length on the other side, I mean, you can replace Joe Harris in that offense with a Seth Curry or a Patty Mills, and they can hit the shots reliably, and you can count on them to still open the space. But on the other end, they're just getting bodied. Like Jalen Brown yeah, is yeah, going yeah, yeah. Patty Mills and just taking him into the post. If that was Joe Harris, that's, that's at least another point. body to bump against him and slow him down. Remember, Joe Harris is 6'7", and all 6'7". He's, he's yes. a real 6'7". He's a, he's a body. Um, and, pa- and Patty Mills is like a soft 6'1", 6'2". And if you watch this Nets team all year, Mike, there was a gigantic hype surrounding them. But the truth of the matter is, is as good as Kyrie is, he's an enigma. You know, he doesn't he, he doesn't play half the season. And you can turn it on for a game or two. But when you play a team... And let's let's also remember that... The, let's differentiate the Celtics and the Bucks series a little bit. The the Nets were much more cohesive last year. They had most of their lineup playing for most of the games. This, this team traded hard in midway through the season and traded him for nothing. 
because you can tell they didn't know where their rotations were going. When KD said, I don't know how to attack this team, he's not talking about the, the Celtics defense giving him such troubles. He's talking about the Celtics defense giving him troubles and the fact that he hasn't gelled with these teammates to know where they're going to be on the outlet passes if he's not even looking. If he sees a defender slide over, yeah. he knows this guy's going to swing to the corner and he could just throw it over there. He doesn't have those rotations down yet. He doesn't have that chemistry down yet. And that's why he's saying, I don't know how to attack. And let's not forget, Mike, that while the Celtics were missing Robert Williams, that didn't affect him in a series where the bigs weren't an issue for the for the Celtics to cover. Like, they were not covering a Joel Embiid on the Nets. Andre Drummond is a shadow of himself. He was a liability, doesn't move well. The Celtics can run. So you have a guy like Daniel Tice who's serviceable, but let's remember that the Celtics' second unit that was coming in with Grant Williams were able to size up Durant in ways that he's not used to seeing that physical 6'8 body on him all game. And it's usually, it's either Kevin, it's either Grant Williams or you'll have Jason Tatum solo guarding. And, and let's remember that, have you ever seen Kevin Durant get his shot blocked? I saw it multiple times in this series where I've never seen, and Tatum did it once, Brown did it once. Tatum might have done it a few times, but you don't see that. I talked about it on the last pod I did that I said Tatum joined a special club and that yeah. wasn't having a game winner in the playoffs. It was I blocked a Kevin Durant jumper club. Um, I think he did it a few times, to be honest. Yeah, he did it twice in one game. Jalen Brown did it too. It was crazy. They were, they like I said, they were taking his legs out and he couldn't jump as high. He couldn't get that height. He couldn't create that space over the top and yeah. then matching them with his length and it really stopped him. I think what you said um, about yeah. Robert Williams opens up a really good point in terms of matchups. But before we get into that stuff, because like the, the Nets didn't have a big to, to contend, and we want to talk about the Celtics matchups uh, in the next series and yeah, how big Rob Williams might be then. But let's quickly touch on the Nets. What does their future and their offseason look like? Let me ask you a few questions, right? You can respond mm -hmm. to these quickly. Sure. What kind of deal does Kyrie get as a free agent? Is he, He's a free agent, Kyrie? Yes. Oh, Unrestricted. Wow. Unrestricted. Ah. I mean, this guy is a, a pariah. So are the, Nets, are the Nets giving Kyrie a five-year max? This is sincere, Mike. I don't believe that I can answer that question because Kyrie was celebrating Ramadan. He was saging the court in the last few years. He missed the whole season, be, even though he'd sit on the sidelines because of, you know, a faith or or a reason to believe that he didn't want to get the shot for whatever reason. And I mean, he left his teammates hanging. I cannot predict. How Don't remember. One more thing. Uh, he also, when the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol happened at the white house, <laughs> he also was like, Oh my God, that happened at the white house. I can't go to work today. And let me tell you something. I'm not so sure that he was celebrating Ramadan because he's cursing and flicking off fans. You're not supposed to do that during Ramadan. So he is, I mean, he's not eating and, He's showing the world that he's able to play on an empty stomach, and that's wonderful. Good for you. You're very good at basketball. But I'm not so sure, and this is another topic we'll talk about. He was not eating sandwiches before the game or drinking water because this guy's a fraud. He's an excellent player. He's an enigma, and I've told you this, Mike. Individual talent, I mean, incredible. One but of one. He's But the thing, he's one of one in every category. Because on I and can't off the give you a legitimate <laughs> answer. No, no, no. But I can't legitimately answer your question how they – they, they determine whether or not to sign him because he was willing to miss the whole season. Yep. Uh, so let's presume, though, for example, for, for a second that, you know, Kyrie's not a psychopath, and let's keep it basketball if he's playing. 
you which give is him hard a five-year, two hundred and fifty million dollar contract. So, let's let's talk just next year. Let's not even talk about the whole future. Let's say next year. So let's say Kyrie isn't playing for them next year. I don't know whatever the deal is, but let's say he's playing. So you have Kyrie. And KD. I think he will be. I think okay, I think so Kyrie's going to sign like a three-year, one hundred fifty max. That would be my guess. For purposes of giving an expectation, let's let's say he is playing. So mm-hmm. Kyrie's playing. Let's say that goofball Ben Simmons decides he's capable of playing. Um, you got Ben Simmons, you got Kyrie, you got Joe Harris back, right? He'll be back from injury. And I don't think, I think Joe Harris will be fine. I think he'll slot right in. He's a player that seamlessly fits right in. He had, he had surgery on his foot and then he was supposed to come back and then it didn't work out well. And I think he's set for a second surgery. I'm not totally sure. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, a lot of people have those, like, you know, those foot things where they break a metatarsal and then they yeah, 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 yeah. have to get, like, a few surgeries on it before it's right. Uh, Brooke Lopez was one of those guys. KD had that injury young in his younger OKC career. Cool. So, yeah, I think we'll see Joe Harris back next season. So there's a lot of question marks that, you know, between Kyrie's just a psychopath, you know, Ben Simmons is mentally broken. But let's assume that they all come back and play the way they can. Mm-hmm. So Ben Simmons, Kyrie, you got Kevin Durant on the floor, you got Joe Harris. I, I'd like to see which big they attack in the offseason because you don't necessarily need to pay a guy tremendous money. You just need to find a physical big that can play defense and rebound. I don't think can they need anything more than that. Huh? Can it be Nick Claxton? No, not a starter. Not if they want to win. I think it would have to be like a Steven Adams type player. And I wonder what Steven Adams' situation is because Memphis is not playing him. So. Yeah. I think that's a if great call. If thought a guy like Steven Adams cheap that can facilitate that pick, screen, rebound, grit, dangerous. To answer your question, to sum it up, dangerous if those players play when they get a serviceable big. Who's the coach of that team? We talked about this, Mike. Um, Steve Nash. I And I want to be clear that I think he's done a poor job. However, I think the circumstances that he's been given – aren't fair to assess whether or not he can be a good coach. And because he's Steve Nash, because he's a point guard floor general his whole career, I want to give him the benefit of that. And you know how it is with superstars and, and role players. There's a there's a major um, disparity between, like, you know, an efficient culture. He has to build that culture. I think maybe he can, but I think he gets one more year. I would wonder what the list of other guys looks like and who the other names that the Nets would consider. Because here's my thought, Eric. I think if mm-hmm. the Nets want to win the title, if they want to win four series in the playoffs and have to make adjustments and have set rotations and have real coaching moments a- yeah. after timeout plays, I don't think Nash is the guy. I don't think he's proven anything in his two years as a coach that says to me, I want to give you another year to develop because – at this point, we're running out of years to develop, right? We're going to the fourth sure. season of KD and Kyrie. And it's like, now we need to win. Like, we just need to win. And I don't think Nash is the guy. I've been calling for Nash's to be on the hot seat for a year and a half. And I think this people are the moment or you've been, you've been No, no, no. Up. I've been saying I, – I think I said it on this first <laughs> ever podcast I, I ever recorded for this for this show. So I've been saying it for, like, over a year. I, I in the beginning, was like, why are they hiring a rookie coach – to, to pair with KD and Kyrie. You That's want someone who knows how to win. That's a good point you make in rookie coach too. A lot of people just evaluate like, okay, Steve Nash played in the league for years. He's a point guard. He knows how to coach. He had no coaching experience. He didn't. So it None. shows you there is a measure of having experience as a coach and developing players and, 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 and game management where he does know how to manage a game. Steve Nash is one of the greatest point guards of all time. I think we both agree on that. Um, 
Nash was what? hired the same year, the same time that Dwayne Casey went to the Pistons, and I was thinking in my head, I would rather have the, Dwayne Casey. Don't bring the Pistons on here in any regard. Although I like the Pistons, we might want to get to them soon later. But uh, the Pistons could be exciting, but even Dwayne Casey is a guy that you know has <laughs> been around the block one or two times. He's been in playoff runs. He's been with DeRozan and Lowry. I mean, he wasn't the coach for the Kawhi, Kawhi year, but he was, you know, available. Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse. <laughs> You're right. Um, You're yeah. right. So, so <laughs> that was Nick Nurse's first year as the head coach when the when the Raptors won. We might have to talk about Nick Nurse because he could be on his way out if he if, if the Raptors flip this series, Mike. Which I know this is off topic, but I mean, let's say they win this game five. They that could get an interesting that series could become interesting for Toronto Philly. By the way, I know it's never happened, but if it were to ever happen, and mark this down, don't don't delete this. I think the Raptors. They, if they, I'll, I'll game, they they did just win Game Five. They won by fifteen oh, in, in Philadelphia. Okay, without Van Vliet. Okay, so this is staying on the recording. You could delete everything else I've said. Raptors in seven. First time ever. It's over. Wow, you heard yeah. it here first. All right. Yeah. But um, yeah. If so that happens, we will for sure talk about. It. Let's 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 keep it Nets. You think you think Nash comes back? You're saying Simmons, Kyrie, KD, Joe Harris make up their core four next year. Nash on the sidelines, and you think they're a dangerous team if they bring in the right big. That's kind of your sum- summary of the Nets. Yeah, I think I think it's necessary that they bring in the right big because they're missing it. Like, and I think Claxton. I don't want to discredit Nick Claxton. I think he's very good. I think I think he's a good at modern type NBA. Even though he can't shoot, he can run the floor. He can rebound. He's serviceable. But they don't have a big presence. I'm with you completely. I think they need another big. I think they need Simmons and Harris to come back. I just disagree on the Nash component. I think with a experienced coach, whoa. I bring in Frank Vogel. Whoa, 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 whoa! I didn't disagree with you on Nash. You asked if I if you think I if they bring him back. Yeah, I, I disagree. I, I think he's not back. I think he's not. Oh, you back. think he gets fired? Yes. Wow. He might. Yeah. He okay. might. Um, let's yeah. take this over to the Celtics now. Uh, Jason Tatum, oh. dominant. Can I just say one thing about Tatum before we like, you know, your get show, into, your show, pal. Get into this. Tatum also wins an award for secretly one of the most tatted players in the NBA. He might be taking that throne from Durant too. <laughs> where like, yeah. you know, like when Durant takes off his jersey, Can his whole body is tatted up. With with Tatum now, you're starting to see it come up the neck, come down the leg of his of his <laughs> pants. I think naked Tatum is probably more tatted up for Durant and now takes the award for most underratedly tatted player in the NBA. So I want to answer this very carefully, and you might have to delete it, but he's also light. So so, so a you lot see of it more. Yeah, yeah. And listen, that's that's not that's a fact. That's not an Yeah, no, I'm not gonna delete that. That's fine. <laughs> well, well let me let me go like this when you do it then. Um but you know everything's PC now. But that plays into it, for sure. A lot of these guys you can't see it. Yeah, Tatum Tatum you start like it's pretty cool. I mean I, I've I've always wished I had more muscle on my body so I can get a sleeve <laughs> and make it look cool, but it just wouldn't work on me, so I'm not gonna do it. I'll just yeah. do it on I'll use the Instagram filters yeah. to see how it would look in theory. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he pulls, he pulls it off and he makes it look good. All right. All right, Eric, let's now talk uh, Celtics, Bucks, predictions for that series. First off, let's, let's talk about the betting side of this. What yeah. do you think the odds for that series come out as? Celtics are going to be the two seed. Uh, they're going to have home court advantage uh, as you know, Celtics are two, Bucks are three. So they'll have home court. 
Who do you think's the favorite in the series, and what are you expecting the odds to come out as? Bucks will be the favorite. Really? I disagree. I think Celtics are the favorite, even without no. Middleton? Even without Middleton. Um, and I'll tell you why. The Nets were the favorite. or not. The Nets were not the favorite in this series, but it was a slim margin. It was a very disrespectful line for the Celtics. The Celtics are not getting treated like contenders while they are. Um, Bucks are the reigning champions. Let's Let's remember that. And while they are missing Middleton... Look at how they've played without Middleton. And I think Vegas will properly evaluate that. And Giannis is the best player on the floor. He's the best player in the league, and I'll stand by that. And I don't even like the guy. He's the best player in the league. Um, Bucks will be the favorite on a slim line. Uh, to win the series, I would think, and I'm not a big, big, I don't really look at series as, as opposed to individual games. But if you're looking for good value, maybe like the, the total games is a good one. I'll give my prediction right now, and then we'll dive in. And it might change, barring, you know, Chris Middleton is a big status evaluator where let's say that game goes to seven with the with the Bulls, which it's not. But things have to happen where, where Middleton might have more time to recover. But let's assume Middleton will be out the first few games. I got, and even if he's out more than a few, I, I'm taking the Bucks in six, 4-2. I feel the exact I, I'm opposite. Torn. I'm torn because I think Celtics are contender. I feel the exact opposite, and let me respond to a few things. Sure. So I think this. I think the Nets came out as the favorite in the Celtics series for one main reason is because the Nets were taking public. I mean, the the sportsbook were taking public money on the Nets to win the title all year, all off season. They had Correct. so much exposure on the Nets that even if the Nets advanced in the series, they didn't even want to open a chance for Nets for for Nets betters to bet. Nets at plus odds because they didn't want to increase their exposure on Nets winning and having a huge payout. I heard the guy who runs the FanDuel Sportsbook thing talk about before the playoffs that there that if the Nets won the NBA championship, FanDuel was going to take a massive loss in the NBA playoffs. So I know they had insane amount of exposure on the Nets, and that I think contributed to a lot of the lines that we saw in the series price. And even in a game-to-game basis, I thought it was a little bit skewed because they wanted money on the Celtics. So that's why I rode the Celtics series price. Uh, I also think people see what's happening on the floor, and they change their mind. We just watched Middleton get injured. The Bucks dropped an ugly one to the Bulls, and they also won an ugly one. They've played freaking amazing in the last two games, and I don't want the I don't want the Bucks winning ugly to be overstated because if the Bucks or the Celtics can win ugly, I would take the Bucks to win more games in uglier fashion. And like the Bucks can do that. They can win ugly and they'll take it. It's a win. For, it's a win for them. So well, they have the best player in the world as well. And I exactly. think, I, I think there is an element in, and, and let me tell you something, the Celtics, not unlike the heat, not unlike the Grizzlies are very culture oriented. They play through everyone. There's no, it's a collective unit. I think the problem is, and I'll, I'll highlight the Heat as an example, um, when you don't have a superstar, which the Celtics may in Tatum. He may have reached that level. They absolutely but there do. are superstar concerns in playoffs where regular season teams like the Suns, very culture-oriented, where everyone comes and does their job. It's collective defensive effort. It's collective offensive effort. It's not enough. And when you play a guy like Giannis, who maybe the best player in the world and he's working his way 
and you could jot this down too. Ten years, we'll we'll go back to this one too. I want all. I agree with. I'm going I'm gonna agree with whatever you say because yeah. I'm so in on this. We're talking. We're talking all time greatest. He's he's paving away. Yep. Because he's the two time MVP. Could have won this year if not for Joe. Finals MVP. He's only twenty seven. He won. He he made the hurdle. He made the jump. And let me tell you something about Giannis. He was bad free throw shooter last year. They were attacking that. He's gotten better at everything. And he shoots it in like seven seconds this year. And his his evolution, if you look at him from when he came in the NBA, the guy is a complete dog. It's like Jordan. It's like it's like the Kawhi Leonard's. It's like the guys who reach that level where there is no coming down. It's yep. just and and now we'll we'll segue into the series. Um, you think Middleton? I know we discussed this. You think Middleton being out is more way more significant than I do? Yeah, so and, I think I do. I think Middleton being out is incredibly significant. And I'm going to say I think the Celtics come out as like a minus 130 favorite. I think the 1.3 to 1, minus, Celtics minus 130 is going to be the odds when it first drops. And mm. I think I'm going to be playing the Celtics at that price. And I think I'm also going to be playing the Celtics game one to cover whatever the spread is. I project that to be about two, maybe two and a half, three. And I'm going to be I, on the Celtics. I assume it will be two and two and a half. Yeah. I, and I will be on the Celtics to cover that as well. And let me go into a few reasons. One, I think, Ooh. let me respond to the Middleton. Ooh. The Middleton component, I think, is huge. Middleton is their best clutch shot maker. He is. He was. Is. Was. He is. Still. Yes. He's had a few bad games, but he's still Chris Middleton. And the, the I games, like Chris Middleton. If the game, if the game is going of... to be tied with two minutes left and Giannis is going to the hole and he's going to kick it out to somebody and that person can either take the three or take a dribble in and take a pull-up two, there's no one on the Bucks that is able to replace and oh, do so what wrong. Chris Middleton so can wrong. do right now. And therefore... No, and I also wrong. think, given the context of the way that we've seen the Celtics' defense completely be able to take Durant out, I think they will be able to create a scheme to help reduce Giannis' impact and not having their best shot maker is going to really hurt. I think it puts a lot of pressure on Grayson Allen, who I'm a huge fan of, Pat Connaughton, who I'm a huge Let's fan of, Let's talk about this. Let's Drew talk about Holiday, this. who I'm a huge fan of, but I just think Middleton in a series like this, this is the point where we disagreed. I thought Middleton was the second most important player on the Bucks, which is in crazy. A series like this on your podcast because now people are going to hear this, Mike. Um, in no way is he ever going to be more important than Drew Holiday. But I get what you're saying in a series with lengthy, lengthy guards and lengthy wings like the Celtics have, and not as capable offensively a point guard. But what yes. you don't understand is Drew Holiday can physically d up a guy like Jalen Brown or Tatum just as well, if not better, than Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday is the second most important player on the team. I'll stand by that. But this is hypotheticals we're speaking of. Let's talk no, about what's No, I do think I, – I definitely, definitely agree with you that Drew Holiday – I'd rather have Drew Holiday than Chris Middleton on Jalen Brown. I completely agree. What, sure. I, what, I, what I'm saying is Middleton's skill set is more important to this series because the, the nope. need for Drew Holiday to be an on-ball stopper – is lessened in a series against a team like the Celtics had you been playing a Kyrie or a Harden where you really need an on-ball stopper. The Celtics Why? move the ball. They, they drive and kick. They, they swing and they create open shots. They don't really... If you can minimize Jason Tatum's in-back offensively on driving the ball and penetrating to the hole, it, it stifles their offense 
like they got out of this game at the end of the game against the Nets because the Nets are bad defensively. Yes, but this the Nets also was... had no one to guard the rim, where it's now you have Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is not – I don't think he's as pivotal as you're making him out to be. Um, the advanced stats would disagree. The advanced stats say he's an elite rim protector. But historically, we're talking about this guy who's coming off of pretty pretty big injuries, missed the whole season, and they kind yeah. of rotate. Last year he was incredible in the playoffs, so and in the finals but, but, he was but, amazing. So I, but, I but, still have faith in Brooke. But there was also the aura last year and previous years where – Giannis isn't going to close a game for you. We got to go to Middleton. That has significantly changed. Giannis will close a game for you. He will win a game for you. And he'll he's, do hitting whatever those he has. Step, he's hitting those drive up and step into threes now where he just, he looks like Durant where he yeah. goes to that left uh, elbow extended three-pointer and he just drives up and hits it. And, and he's, he's just become so more polished. And, he, and where I disagree with you wholeheartedly is that if you take Drew Holiday off the floor, you're replacing him with Javon Carter. And that is a gigantic problem. Whereas if you take Middleton off the floor, the perimeter three-point shooters you're replacing him with, who are like 6'5", 6'6", Drayson Allen and Connington, can do what Middleton has presumably been doing, honestly. And it's not a slight at Middleton, but when Giannis attacks the rim, while KD is one of the best players of all time, Giannis is the best player in the league by far right now. and It's a different skill set. Yeah, it's a different skill set. Attacking the rim, it's a different skill set. Giannis is better. Giannis yeah, is the best player in the league. And it's, it's another that's, animal. That's final. So Giannis will get to the rim. I don't care who you put on him. Well, Horford, you could put Tatum. They can't physical Giannis. So Giannis will get to the rim, and he's polished his game where he will either score on you in the paint, he'll dunk on you, he'll get to the free throw line, which he's a capable free throw shooter, or he'll kick it out. And when he kicks it out, guys like Connington and Grayson Allen will hit the open shot. So, and they're and they're and they're good. They're good off. The ball drip like they they're not just spot shooters. Grayson Allen can take the ball off the dribble. Um, he doesn't need to be Chris Middleton. He just needs to catch the ball, dribble, and shoot efficiently. And Connington can do that. They have a plethora of wings. Jordan Nora can come in if they need that with a lengthy six eight. Bobby Portis could do that at six nine. So I think you're giving Middleton based on historical like value to the team way more credibility than he necessarily deserves right now. I, I think this team is sure, fine. He, he has been playing really poorly in the past like month or so. So And they don't – Giannis has transformed in his game where it used to be this this growing concern of can Giannis close. And, and Middleton was the closer. That has fundamentally changed. And now you have Drew Holiday who could close out a game just as well. Um, Drew Chris Middleton, I think, has become one of the more replaceable players after – I would say he's the third most valuable player on the team, obviously, because they play play, play a very collective offense. Everything runs through Giannis. So um, if you have Giannis playing point forward or you have, you have Drew Holiday, you spell some minutes for those guys, you can't have Drew Holiday off the floor and Giannis off the floor. So Middleton, he can play point forward, but not to the ability that Drew Holiday can. And let's say Middleton, let's say where you agree with me that Middleton has been playing poorly, they're still dominant, dude. Like. Yeah. Giannis will get to the rim, he'll make the right decision, and he'll kick it out to guys like Grayson Allen and Pat Connington who can shoot and score in their 6'5", they can rebound. I don't. I disagree with you. I, I think I think Bucks are fine without Middleton. It seems like the what we're saying is the Celtics-Nets series came down to the Celtics just being able to beat the Nets up and be way more physical, but now the Bucks versus Celtics yeah. series... I'm kind of saying I think the Celtics' physicality can and home court will carry over, and I would take 
Celtics in six, and you're over here saying, I actually think the Bucks can match and actually overpower the Celtics' physicality because Giannis is just such a force that they will, they, they're going to make the, the Celtics players soar the next day. You know, they're going to make them come a little less yeah, hard. Yeah, absolutely. Know, like, the, the Nets players really look beat up after four days. Like, the, those those guys are That's getting so in the ice. Let's, this, this, the Celtics are very good, and they've been slept on. They've had the best defensive rating in the second half of the year. The, Knicks are, the Celtics are a very good team, and I wouldn't be shocked if they won this series. However, I'm not going to to pump up the Celtics because they slaughtered the Nets. I think the Bucks would have slaughtered them. I think playoffs came, and the Nets were not prepared to take on a team. Let's remember that. The Nets barely got by the Cavaliers in one of their play-in games in a game where Jared Allen didn't play and Kyrie and Kevin Durant had to go off. This team was not good right now. So there was a big superstar lean on, okay, the Nets have Kevin Durant and Kyrie, so they're X-Factors. They're bad. They yeah, weren't prepared to play a like the Celtics. I knew the Celtics were going to roll over them. Me and you have both been saying it. Yep. Um, I'm surprised by a sweep. I thought it would be 4-1, but... I'm not giving the Celtics kudos for this series. I'm giving them kudos because I think they're a culture-oriented team that's dangerous and they're lengthy and they provide lineups that are problems and mismatches. But now you're going against the finals champions. You're going against Giannis. And the Bucks are lengthy too. And, and you know, those white shooters like Connington and Grayson Allen that you put on the corner – at 6'5", they can D you up. And guys like Bobby Portis, who are 6'9", and versatile post players, can shoot the three. They can spread the floor. They have Drew Holiday, who might be the best on-ball defender in the league, who can provide you versatility. It's going to be a good series. Well, let me ask you something. I, let's say the over-under first game comes out at, like, 212. Over. Over. Bucks play at one of the fastest paces in the NBA. Um, the, they, where, would, where, would you, where would you set a game one over under between these two teams? Like two twenty? Maybe much higher than two twelve. It'll be two eighteen. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see that come in. So I think I think maybe if it's two fifteen, you'd go over. Absolutely. Um, right. Well, in a game one, I think there could be tentative nerves. Whereas, like you saw the Bucks versus the, um, you saw the Bucks versus the Bulls. Game one was like ninety three to eighty six yeah, final they, score. They get a feel so, for it game. Exactly. It might be at a slower pace. However, I think the series from a whole, if you're looking at that over-under, like I think you want to go over most of the games because the Bucks play at the fastest pace and the and the Celtics have shown that if you want to speed them up, they'll speed with you. They'll, they'll yeah, run they with can, you. They can play pretty much however. The yep. Nets controlled the pace of this series, to be honest. Yeah, no, it was. Yep. And if we um, look at this series against the Nets, Mike, before you jump forward, the yep. Nets were a few plays of making this one very hazy. It was a 4-0 sweep that was a a total margin of victory of 16 points through the four games. Ugh. So, all right, let's, let's use that as a nice way to tie a bow on talking about that. Let me ask you just a few other questions before we jump out of here, Eric. Sure. Uh, right now I'm looking at ESPN. Dallas is up 22 on Utah. Whoa. In the what third did I, quarter. Uh, Mike, did I not tell you before the game that this G- team? Give me, give me 60 seconds on your, your take on the Mavericks. Absolute problem. Can take out anyone, can go to the finals. You heard it. Third best defensive rating in the NBA this year. They have guys like Dorian Finney-Smith. And people don't evaluate guys like Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock at the level they should. There's guys in the NBA like Horford. Obviously, Horford's better, but I'm using an example of team culture-oriented defensive stoppers that can guard one through four, that can be serviceable offensively, three and D guys, and you have Luka Doncic. So let's remember, Mike, I told you earlier that 
they lost in seven to the Clippers last year. And the Clippers, I thought, when healthy, were the best team in the NBA. I think Kawhi Leonard doesn't get injured. I think Paul George isn't injured. They win the whole thing. I am firm on that. Um, so, right. So, people seem to forget that, though. That game went, that series went seven. And Luka Doncic has gotten so unlucky the last two seasons. And I think next season, the Clippers probably are the team to bet on in the offseason. Oh, yeah. At, at, so but let's, 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 Mike, before we go like, there, let's stay on there. odds on the, on the Clippers next season. I'm all over that. Whoever's watching this, slam it if they're healthy, please. Um, yeah. Reggie Jackson, he's a dog. I love him. But uh, <laughs> let's, let's, I love him. Let's just a winner. But uh, let's stay on this. Um, Dallas is a problem. Defensively, they'll slow you down. Luka Doncic will control the pace of any series, any game. He's going to be the best player on the floor for most games. He's going to be a floor general. He's elite at that superstar level that I tell you, the Celtics and the Heat, that, you know, are culture-oriented, very deep teams and play the right way. Might not have that guy. No slight at Tatum. But I, I think Doncic is in that core four of four best players in the NBA with with – you know, it being Doncic and Bede, I want to say Joe, Jokic is in there. He has to be. Um, and Doncic and Bede, Jokic, KD's kind of taking a step back, but you know what I'm saying. Doncic and Bede, Jokic and Giannis. Yeah. Those are four of the superstars in the NBA right now that are tier above, I think, everyone else. Yeah, I think those are the top four that are going to be this year's MVP voting, too. All right, I'm going to name all, a few. All, all, all foreign. Next, I know, I love it. Next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to name a few uh, players. You can choose one of them to talk about them and their series as a bigger context. Love it. Uh, John Morant and the Grizzlies versus Timberwolves series. Chris Paul and the Suns Pelican series. Or just, I'll give you like maybe Both Jordan. losers, I think they're both out in, in six or seven. However, Chris Paul is... is, is meets and bounds more important right now than John Morant. I think John Morant is stifling. I think that the Grizzlies have won their games in spite of John Morant. He's been defensively rated the worst player in the whole playoffs. He's letting guys like Jordan McLaughlin dominate him. He's getting dominated by Patrick Beverly. He's shooting miserably. He's poor. He he just throws himself at the rim every play. He can't shoot. Um, uh, they were 23-1 and for the regular season without him. They have a very good point guard in Tyus Jones, who if they bring him in, they become a system team. They were twenty three and one without him, Mike, with a plus minus of the best in the NBA. I think it was like, I think it was like twenty and three, but I still incredible. Whatever. <laughs> um, actually correct. I had a Grizzlies. Well, I, I think had I a Grizzlies. Am I, 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 think, had a Grizzlies I, think, I think you're wrong. I just no, don't no, want to no, argue. I, I know I'm right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Warriors. How dangerous are the Warriors? The Warriors. They're who's the your, Warriors. Who's your title fate? Who's your Western Conference team right now? Mm. That this is tough. That's uh, pretty much what I'm asking when I say how good are the Warriors, is right? Like all we care about in terms of Steph, Clay, and Dre is are they gonna make the finals? Anything else is like, okay, they were good, they were dangerous, but it's not legacy building. It depends on Clay Thompson, because Steph Curry's gonna be Steph Curry. Jordan Poole's elite. I, I'm starting to believe that offensively at least. I um, love him. He's amazing. Draymond Green, he's gonna give you what Draymond Green gives you. So if Clay Thompson keeps playing like Clay Thompson they're the favorite to win the whole thing. Um, however, I don't know if Clay Thompson's going to sustain it. And I'm, you know me, I'm a Clay Thompson avid supporter. I think he's one of my favorite players of all time and what he provides in his underrated, like, Scottie Pippen kind of MO. Um, and he embraces it. But 
he's shown like aging signs are there. He doesn't look like the Claybold, but he's starting to again in the playoffs. So if he plays like Clay Thompson of old, they will be in the finals. His shot making is back, but his defense not yet. Um, you so you're taking Warriors out of the West? No, I'm taking Dallas. Wow. Okay, so Dallas would have to beat Phoenix next series, or or the no. Pelicans, or yeah. the Pelicans. Sorry, I, I think you think the Pelicans are coming. Out it's of okay. Order. I still think the I still <laughs> think the Suns pull it out, but uh, do um, you? Do you? I'm skeptical, but yes. Yeah, you should be. I'm really skeptical, but ultimately, yes. I think they get two games at home out of the three, and I think no man can pull it off. Monty Williams has been awful in game. For some reason, he plays Landry Shamit and and campaign forty minutes, and it's just and the Pelicans look really confident too. They're scary. Yo, I'm saying, Mike, I've seen some things that I'm uncomfortable with. Um, when the Pelicans get Zion back next year, think we'll talk about that at another time. But that's going to be fascinating. All right, is there any other – I'll give you open floor. Is there any other playoff storyline that you want to talk about? I want to talk more about John Morant on tomorrow because I want the world to see that this guy stinks. Um, so I think that line, I think I think that line is, is set for like six and a half. I think the Wolves are making that out in six or seven. I think the Wolves should be up 3-1. They're up 28 points. Um, I think Anthony Edwards is incredible. Yeah. Uh, think that the Heat are getting slept on a little bit. We'll see how Jimmy Butler, if he keeps it up. They, they were always going to beat the Hawks. Um, I think the Sixers could be in trouble. To f- Hey, we'll end on this, pal. <laughs> Toronto in <laughs> seven. All right. Nick Nurse comes Nick back. Nurse, <laughs> Nick Nurse comes and back another year. Doc Rivers fired. I've been calling oh, for Doc Rivers and Steve Nash's jobs. <laughs> full circle. I've been calling for their jobs for Yeah, you're fickle, Mike. Long. You're fickle, yeah. but I do agree with you on both those things. Uh, both of them got plenty of money. It's okay for me to call for their yeah. jobs. I'm not calling out Taylor Jenkins or Mark Dagnalt or any of those guys. Yeah, Taylor, Jenkins. Taylor Jenkins is fantastic. I think, the NBA Jason, legends I think Jason Kidd has been phenomenal, too. I think that's a storyline that should be talked about more. Agreed. Um, let's do that next time. We'll talk Dallas next time. They're about to take a 3-2 to two lead, so assuming they pull off the series, we will definitely have some room to talk. Do yeah, not we'll... cut out any of my hot takes on here. I won't. <laughs> Love I you. Won't. All right. Thanks for joining me, Eric. I appreciate it, uh, Boy, and we will see you soon. Night. All right, brother. All right. Big thank you to my cousin Eric for joining me tonight. It's 11.30 on a Monday night, so it was very impromptu text saying, hey, you want to jump on and record with me? So I'm really glad he did. A bit unprepared to start, but I thought we got into a really good groove and a really good conversation. He knows a lot about hoops. He's a much better basketball player than I am, so I would take his word for what he sees on the court. In other news, make sure you're following me on Twitter, at AdvantagePod underscore SE, and please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That would be really helpful to me, and I'd really appreciate it. Uh, The next episode is going to be about systems and models and something really exciting, and I'll tease it real quick. I'm actually creating my own system. What I've done is I'm shifting alternate lines and playing alternate spreads according to the most common outcomes of NBA games. So I'm increasing the payout in my odds by also slightly reducing the chance I'm going to hit it because I'm moving the spread against me, so I'll have to cover more. I'm going to explain it all, but the numbers seem to make a lot of sense. Right now, I'm just starting to test it and really back test it a few months to see if it makes sense. Uh, but it, it's off to a really good start. 
but it's really exciting. I think it makes a lot of sense. The math checks out. I'd have to make sure it would have won in the year. <laughs> so that will be the next episode. And of course, we will be here to talk a ton of playoffs and give out a lot of bets. Talk to you soon.